This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. As our hearts open, we naturally come to the awareness that nothing outside of us can ever fulfill our inner longing for satisfaction. Valeria Tellez interviews Michael McPherson, the author of Everything You Never Learned About Sex. Take back your masculine power and use your sex energy for good. Michael is a pioneer in the realm of sex energy and sacred sexuality. He empowers men and women from all over the world to heal their relationship with sex, reclaim their sexual power, and channel their sex energy towards actualizing their dreams and fulfilling their unique purpose. Michael is also the author of Everything You Never Learned About Sex, Take Back Your Masculine Power and Use Your Sex Energy for Good, co-founder of Request Bar, a high-vibe protein bar company on a mission to get people dreaming bigger and taking courageous leaps in making those dreams come to life, and co-founder of Coco Ceremonial Drinking Chocolate, a nonprofit devoted to saving native strains of cocoa and making ceremonial-grade cocoa available to the Western world. Meet Michael at michaelmcpherson.co. Here is the interview with Michael McPherson. In your own words, who is Michael McPherson? Mm, That's such a great question to open with. Michael McPherson is a listener. He is a man working on behalf of all men and all people, really, to make the journey from his head into his heart, to open his heart, to receive life through his heart, and to operate from that place in everything he does, including his sexuality. Oh, I love that, Michael. Coming from the heart, right. Some people call it the soul, the spirit, uh, God. Would you say they are all, we're all speaking about the same thing? I would say in essence, they're all the same thing. You know, depending on which level you're referring to or operating at. I like to call it my higher self when I'm referring to my soul, but all the words are interchangeable. It seems like all these uh, labels that we give to certain ideas, like coming from love, really, isn't it? What we really want to do to come from a place of unconditional love, from my perspective, it has been the practice. Would you say that this is the space that we ought to operate from, unconditional love? Absolutely. Yeah, whenever possible, unconditional love for ourselves, for each other. Uh, unity with one another coming from the same oneness you know we're all cut from the same fabric absolutely I really want to ask you the question about how did you 
come to these understandings, but I know you wrote a book about it. So I'll, <laughs> I'll wait to ask that question sure, later. Sure. I have so many questions here for you, the warm-up questions too. The first one I wanted to ask is about power. How do you define power these days? What is to be powerful? Yeah, for me to be powerful is really to be empty, to be empty of the self. And when I say self in this instance, I mean the egoic self, to be empty of all personal desire in order to be filled by something greater than ourselves, still a part of us, our soul self, our higher self, like we already talked about, God, if you want to give it that name, but to be empty in order to be filled, that to me is true power. Are you speaking about uh, navigating this reality without a belief system? Oh, people can have, you know, whatever belief system that feels right for them. So I'm not talking about belief systems necessarily. I'm just talking about, you know, each one of us is wherever we are in our individual journey. So some people are just beginning their healing journey. Some people have been on that journey for a decade or so. And depending on how far along you are, will often influence how much access you have to being empty in order to be filled, like I said already. So if you've still got all your conditioning and patterning and trauma from your youth that is yet to be dealt with, you'll probably have difficulty being empty because all of those things are still inside of you emotionally, Mm -hmm. mentally, and certainly spiritually. Being free of traumas, being free of emotional baggage, as some people call it, would that be close to what do you speak of when you say empty? Yeah, in this case, I suppose freedom, meaning having a more empowering relationship to it. I don't know that we're ever really free entirely from our trauma as if it goes away forever, but I do know that we can have a more empowering relationship with it, have more compassion for ourselves, and learn how to hold our trauma in a way that's more empowering for us. So true. Yeah, I love your wisdom. Thank you. And my next question is about the purpose of life. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? (laughs) That's such a good question. Obviously a very big question. Uh, I suppose to live it, to live it, to have experiences, to experience contrast and to grow. That's what I see it, to experience as much as we possibly can in these physical bodies with the time that we have here and then have that be a contribution to our oversoul, our soul, the evolution of our soul, and and therefore the evolution of everything because everything's connected. And speaking of everything's connected, which it is my knowing, not a belief system, what is spirituality to you? Would you call that understanding spiritual or the practice of some kind of spirituality? Yeah, for me, spirituality is as simple as being connected to spirit. So spirit is a term kind of interchangeable, like the ones we've been using already. Um, But to be connected to that which we really are. And so there's many pathways to connect with that part of ourselves. You can do it through meditation. You can do it through stillness, yoga, ceremony. A lot of people choose to do it through movement, time out in nature. But whatever you do, whatever I do that connects me to spirit and strengthens that connection, that's what I call spirituality. How do you know when you're connected to spirit, Michael? It's usually an energy. It's it's usually a feeling. So we're all very sensitive beings, highly sensitive people. We can we can sense things in subtlety, energetically, emotionally. So for me, I know that I'm connected to my higher self. And really, we're always connected to our higher selves. 
there's things that can get in the way of that, but we're never not connected. But I can feel when I'm truly what I call channeling my higher self by the energy that I experience in my body. It's usually an amplified, a heightened energy, an exciting energy. It feels powerful. It feels uplifting. Would you connect that to joy or this feeling of what we call love? Yeah, absolutely. Joy, love, empowerment, clarity. What do you love most about being a man? Mm, that's such a great question. I've actually never had anyone ask me that before. I suppose what I love most, or one of the things I love most, if I sat and contemplated it, some other things would probably come to me, but this body that I've been giving, given and the ability to do things with it. So I love, for instance, being out in nature. So to go on a long hike, to climb to the top of a mountain. And it's not like you can't do those things if you're a woman, obviously. But that's something I especially appreciate about my physical capability because it gives me the opportunity to just have more beautiful experiences like that, mostly in nature. What is that about nature that kind of makes us more aware of the spirit? Mm, well, we're a part of nature as much as we would like to think that we're not. So right, when, right. When, we, when we go out into nature, we find harmony with what we are and who we are. So even putting your bare feet on the ground, you start to resonate at the frequency of Mother Earth. And that in and of itself is a communication. And for human beings, it's primarily a communication to our nervous system. So it helps calm our nervous system. So many people are overstimulated in our current world. So to calm and have a reset like that really brings us back to homeostasis. It really brings us back to home base. It brings us back to our authentic self. So would you say that what makes us believe that we are separate from nature is this very gift that we have been given human beings of thinking. Would you say the thoughts that that's what gets in the way when it comes to knowing that we are nature? Yeah, it's really uh, an identification with the mind. So I haven't gotten to a place where I can get rid of my thoughts or have no thoughts yet. (laughs) Maybe I'll get there someday. Uh, But for now, it's really... Anytime I'm identifying with my thoughts, with my mind, with my ego, that's when I experience a disconnection from Mm. whether you call it nature or all that is. So the idea is to be a witness to it, but not identify with it. Right. And there are different sources um, of thoughts or different. Yeah, because I know intuition when I am in touch with my intuition, it's different. The thoughts that arise, they are not the same or imagination even, it's different. Um, So, yeah, I do have another question for you uh, related to that one, the follow-up about what you love most about being a man and what is the most challenging aspect about being in a male body? Mm. Well, I would say right now, redefining what it means to be a man. So there is a certain context in which I was born into, in which other men were born into, uh, a definition, if you will, for manliness or masculinity. And uh, my intention is to redefine that and have that definition be unique Mm -hmm. to every single man on our planet. So what is your definition of masculinity, of being a man? Yeah, for me, uh, it's... It's synonymous with authenticity. So it's just when I'm being my fullest self, my most authentic self, 
then I am the living definition of who I'm meant to be mm. as a man. Right. And that's different from who other men are meant to be. I always say there's as many definitions for masculinity as there are men on this planet. And <laughs> the key is not to identify yeah. with anyone else's, but to discover your own definition for it. I love, love, love how your clarity and the wisdom that you allow to flow uh, through your body and mind. That's beautiful. Thank you. So let me tap into your work before uh, we talk about the book more specifically. Sexual energy and sexual desires. Talk to me about some of the misconceptions about them, about sexuality and sexual desires. Sure. So a lot of people have it that sexuality, the expression of sex and sex energy, the first time you said it, you said sex energy, are the same thing. And a lot of the work that I do, especially on podcasts like this, is to inform people that they're not. That sex energy is something that we're born with. It's a, it's a primordial energy. It's a gift from our creator, whoever your creator is. And it's something that we're meant to utilize throughout our lives to create, to magnetize experiences to ourselves, and to experience heightened states of what you could call ecstasy. Sexuality and sex if we dumbed it down, which I usually don't like to do, obviously that's the opposite of what I'm trying to do. But if we dumb it down, sex and sexuality is as simply as simple as all of the right things going into all of the right places. But our sexual energy is what we actually feel in our body. It's the heightened sensations that we feel in our body during the act of sex or what I call lovemaking. So if you can grasp that conceptually, it can be life-altering in the sense that it frees you up to liberate sex energy from the confines of sex. So you can actually have heightened experiences of your own sex energy outside of the bedroom and outside of sexual acts. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. And I have heard some spiritual teachings. They call it uh, Kundalini. They call it Tantra. Is that somehow connected, my good? to what you just said? Yeah, I think they're all words pointing to the same thing. Yes. Right, right. There are so many. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question about healing. Healing is a word that I use a lot um, on my website and everything I do for some reason. So I'm wondering if there is a, a destination for healing, because even the word implies that there isn't. It's a, a process, an ongoing journey. Would you say that there is a destination when it comes to healing? That's a great question and another question I've never been asked before. Uh, I do feel intuitively a, a knowing that at some point you actually can go beyond what we might describe as a healing process. So a, a lot of healing is actually a reflection or a looking back on the past and what happened and, and how we were impacted by what happened. I do believe there is a point that you get to where you experience wholeness in yourself, where you then turn and orient yourself towards the future. And instead of focusing on healing the past, it, that same energy then transfers to creating the future. So I do, I do believe there's an there's a completion, let's say, maybe not an end, but a completion to our individual healing process. 
and maybe not all aspects or components yeah. of life of the human life right but some sure of them, yeah i like that. yeah new things mm. are always going to happen right so new opportunities to heal will always be brought to us oh, every moment <laughs> every moment if we are really paying attention to for sure let me ask you another question before i ask you about your book love what is your understanding and idea of love or what love is oh that's a great question and love feels like home yeah. uh, it feels like our natural expression without anything in the way or blocking mm -hmm. it or restricting it uh, it feels like the essence of who we are and it feels like what we came here to learn and bot and embody to bring the love from wherever we came to earth and really descend heaven upon earth in that way. Romantic love, how do you see that aspect of life these days? Yeah, romantic love to me is two people coming together and uh, making a decision, whether consciously or unconsciously, to merge their, what you could say or call auras, to merge their energy fields, to take their individual channels and make them one larger channel. And the opportunity there is uh, manyfold. Uh, our partners can be our greatest mirrors. So it's a beautiful opportunity to heal and to reflect upon our lives and heal all the things that are unfinished within us. They can also be our mirrors for um, our potential or our greatest self. So our partner can see things in us that we can't see in ourselves. And their holding that vision of us allows us to grow and expand into it. And then really it's, the, the service that you can be of to the world and to the planet as a strengthened union or a strengthened unit is oftentimes greater than you can be of as an individual. And I really feel like that's one of the fundamental purposes and pillars of romantic union is that the service you can be of together is greater than either one of you could ever be alone. You wrote the book, Everything You Never Learned About Sex. Take back your masculine power and use your sex energy for good. How did you become a writer and what was the inspiration and intention of writing your book? That's another great question. I don't know if I ever really became a writer. I just started <laughs> I just started writing and most of what I write about and have written about has stemmed from pain points in my life. So I knew that sex and intimacy and my relationship to the opposite sex was an area of life that I need a lot of work on. And so for me, the act of writing and reflecting to write was actually a big part of my healing journey. At the time when I came into, my, into union with my beloved Mackenzie, I was doing a lot of this healing work and I was looking around in my environment for other men that were leading conversations in this particular area of life, sex, intimacy, relationship to women, and I couldn't find anyone. I, there were no mentors out there that I could put my finger on. So that was my sign from the universe that said, okay, if, if there's no one out there talking about it, then it's on you, buddy. It must be you who's meant to bring it forward. So that's where my inspiration came. And while my beloved and I were in Australia in 2018, we launched a podcast. And the third episode of that podcast was Sex, Michael Tells All. 
that was the first time that I revealed my whole relationship to sex, my upbringing around it and what my young experiences were like when I was a child, adolescent, when I was a teenager, a young adult. And I just shared myself really authentically and vulnerably. And years later, I was still getting email responses from our audience about the way that that podcast uh, impacted them. And that's when I knew, that's when it really settled in that, okay, I'm, I'm meant to bring this forward in a bigger way so that other people can receive what I've received from this conversation. I love the way some phrases, um, I have so many here from your book, but you say things like, as our heart opens, we naturally come to the awareness that nothing outside of us can ever fulfill our inner longing for satisfaction. That is so true. Yeah, I'm wondering why, actually, most of us tend to do that, look outside. Would you say lack of self-knowledge, self-awareness, self-love? I think it's just a misunderstanding and a natural maturity that comes with time. I think we're all born with the shadow of hunger, Mm. hunger to fill ourselves with things outside of ourselves. And it can be anything. It can be sex and women. It can be money. It can be career accomplishments. And if you go beyond that, it can just be power, power over people, power over enterprises, People have hunger really built into their system. It's an evolutionary thing that we're all working out together. And so with natural maturity, I think we become aware of that and our desires change naturally. So instead of desiring the next or latest model of the iPhone or next latest G class or whatever it is, we start to reach for and desire things that we know will bring us true fulfillment on the inside. And you also talk about perfectionism, and I think it was the, uh, the introduction of your book, I'm not sure. You say, I've had to let go of my perfectionist tendencies. Most of my life I've spent trying to be perfectly put together. I'm just not. No one is. So talk to me for a moment about perfectionism and how it affects all of us at some level. Yeah, I think it stems from our childhood relationships to our parents. So a lot of times we think or we come to the belief that if we perform well or if we do good things or live up to this high standard that it will earn us love, it'll earn us respect, it'll earn us validation, acknowledgement. You know, it's it's probably a little bit different for everybody or specific to each individual. But perfectionism pervaded my life, especially my young adult life. I was known as Mr. Perfect because mm-hmm. on the outside, you know, I'm a handsome man. I dress nicely. I always had a great job. I seemed perfectly put together on the outside. But a lot of times my perfectionism or my outwardly expressed perfectionism was really hiding all of my insecurities on the inside or masking them and also keeping people from inquiring with me you know oh he's he's got it all figured out we can just move on leave him alone and so perfectionism for me had me miss out on a lot of opportunities for true connection but it was only ever because i was scared to show people who i really was and what internal processes i really had going on at that time it comes really from fear, isn't it, basically, Michael? Definitely, fear. definitely. What would you say is the antidote to perfectionism? 
vulnerability, just telling it how it is, expressing <laughs> yeah. whatever's there. Yeah, which precedes having a connection to yourself, right? You have to be intimately connected to yourself in order to express yourself vulnerably. But the one of the greatest things I've learned, and thankfully I learned it pretty early on in my 20s, was just to say whatever it is and even to preface it with whatever's there. A lot of times before I scare, uh, share something that's really scary, I'll say, you know, I really don't want to share this or I'm really scared to tell you this. And then I say it and it always ends up being a point of connection rather than a point of rejection. So it takes courage, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And yeah. that's funny because some people have said that courage, the word, um, has to do with the heart, right? We have to come from the heart in order to have courage. So that everything comes together in that sense. Everything that you speak of connects to. You are the uh, co-founder of Request Bar and Cacao Ceremonial Drinking Chocolate. So what was the inspiration for you to uh, create or be part of these two companies? Yeah, well, the true inspiration was my wife, my beloved, my partner, Mackenzie. She is a food entrepreneur and a truly inspiring individual. And cacao specifically is a type of heart medicine. I'll keep it short. It helps people access their hearts. It helps people access their emotional body, which is something that the world really needs right now. People need help dropping from their head into their heart, and they need help learning how to express their hearts. So that's what cacao helps us do. It's also really beautiful at inspiring creativity and inspiring connection from a creative place. So collaboration, which brings me to our other entity, Request Bar, which are protein bars made to inspire. That entity, that business is all about doing what inspires you. It's all about doing what scares the shit out of you taking those leaps of faith and going after the big dreams that each of us were born with inside of our hearts and not settling for anything less, even if it means risky behavior, even if it means potential failure, knowing that we've gone out there and played full out and lived fully our dreams. That's what Request Bar is really all about. So everything you do is connected to the knowing your experience from your unique self from what you know to be true. That is really wonderful to know. Thank you, Michael, again. Thank you. What would you say to a, a teenager at this time, someone who is going through some tough time when it comes to misconceptions about sexual energy and sex and sexuality? You know, I would probably ask a very simple question. What's on your heart? Mm, and yeah. then I would close my mouth and I would listen. Interesting conversation to witness, <laughs> to listen to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So before I ask you my final questions, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Um, I will not read a passage, but I will just say if anything you've been inspired by, by this podcast, please go and check out my book, Everything You Never Learned About Sex. You can find it everywhere books are sold. If you're looking for me, you can find me at my website, www.michaelmcpherson.co, C-O, and you can also find me on Instagram at Michael J. McPherson. Wonderful. I'll have those links on your podcast profile too. So two questions, the ending questions. I have too many here, so I'll choose two. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself and life as of today? Hmm. 
I think some of the most challenging things for me, or I guess one of the most challenging things, has has been seeing my dishonesty, or I guess coming clean with my dishonesty. I don't know what it is about my young life, but even when I was going through challenges in my life, I would lie to my parents and tell them I was fine. And I've even continued to do that to an extent in my relationship, my romantic relationship. So one of the most challenging things has been to capture that tendency to just brush it off and tell a little white lie and come fully clean, even if it's after the fact, after I've lied. A wonderful reminder for all of us, really. Yeah, to be courageous enough to tell the truth no matter what. Really go beyond fear. That's the, really the practice, uh, I would say, for all of us. Come from a place of love, always. We entrust that. So uh, my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? <laughs> wow, I could spend a whole week probably <laughs> contemplating that question. Uh, well, I know we're here now in these physical bodies, so we should really make the most of our experience. I know that most of us still exist in a non-physical form, whether you call that energy, whether you call it your soul, whether you call it their higher self. So we have access to something greater than ourselves and seeking that, um, moving towards that, inquiring with that is probably a lifelong journey. Yeah. And I know that all people desire to belong, feel that they belong and experience being a part of something greater than themselves. And so if we can all come together and give each other the opportunity to belong and experience being part of something greater than ourselves, I think we're all going to be pretty fulfilled and satisfied with our life experiences. Thank you so much again, Michael, for your wisdom. I call it timeless wisdom or divine wisdom, your authentic presence, your love, your clarity and everything that you do. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for having me here. Bye for now. Take good care. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Michael McPherson and his work, please visit michaelmcpherson.co. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.